Welcome into the BetUS College Football Show. It is week number seven, and this is part one. We're going to hit the early slate. Tomorrow, of course, Wednesday, we're going to hit the late slate. But right now, let's focus on what we got to focus on right now. I am your host, Gary Seegers. You can follow me on Twitter at GaryWCE. And let me go ahead and introduce our experts. On the left side of your screen, Parker Fleming. He is at Stats of War. He's our numerical guru, as I like to call him, the analyst, the numbers guy, if you will. Parker, uh, we had a rough week last week. You know, you did the best out of the three of us. But a uh, rough week. We're starting to figure out some things about these teams now that we're getting into conference play. How are you feeling about this week's slate? Feeling feeling much better. Honestly, we did great in the morning last week. I was having a really good morning and then checked into the afternoon after running an errand and it felt like I was coming back to absolute chaos there. But uh, eternity begins anew each day. So I think we've we've learned some. We got some more data, got some more information. And um, I, I, I feel really good about a couple of picks this week. Got a great slate of games. Gary, it's the third Saturday in October. We'll talk about what that means, I'm certain. But man, I'm excited. You have got that right. Third Saturday in October, always a banger. And this year, going to be a good time, I would imagine, in Knoxville. On the right side of your screen, good gracious, Kyle Hunter. He is at Kyle Hunter Picks on Twitter and the professional award-winning handicapper. He is uh, had a rough week last week, but I feel pretty good about the way that things are headed this week as far as line movement. We haven't had a ton of it thus far, and that's the first time that we can say that in, oh, seven weeks, I feel. Kyle, how are you feeling? Feel pretty good about this week's plays, guys. We were kind of due for uh, some regression there, and and last week that came along. Let's see how we can bounce back this week. Uh, the season to date stats still great, and uh, we'll look to try to build on that. We got some massive games to talk about this week, so I know none of us would really complain about any slate because we love college football. But man, if you're a casual college football fan, it's a great week for you as well. Oh, you have certainly got that right. We have got big games basically all day on Saturday. Every different time slot that you can think of, we got a big one. Let's go ahead and do it. Let's do it. Let's hit the picks recap. Let's tell them what we've done thus far on the season. Even with a bad week last week, it still wasn't really that bad. Uh, overall on the season, 24-12-2 and two am I. Uh, Kyle is 15-10. and 10, Parker, 21-16. and 16. That is 60-38-3. 61.22% against the number and uh, last week was was not great. Uh, I will certainly say that. Um, but we, you know, we're getting there. It, it was what six, nine, and two, I believe, last week. You're going to have those every now and then. But we collected more data points. We have figured these things out, and we are ready to hit some other games. So let me go ahead and remind everybody before we do that. Go on and hit that like button if you would so kindly. There are plenty of you watching that have not done so. I can do math. I can see that. So go ahead and hit that thumbs up. It looks like this on your screen right underneath the video. So go ahead and hit the thumbs up. Make sure that you are subscribed to the show. Subscribe to the channel. Hit that notification bell. It's going to let you know when we go live. And that would be every Tuesday and Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern time. So you can be right back here when we go through these things. You can be a part of this chat. And you have to be subscribed to be a part of the chat. So make sure that you hit that button and subscribe to the channel. If you cannot catch the show live, you can always listen back whenever you're in the gym or you're riding around in your car, driving to work, whatever it is you got to do. You can do that on the podcast, and that is the BetUS football show. That's the NFL feed and the college football feed. Very easy to do. Subscribe. Leave a nice five-star review over at Apple, Spotify, etc., whatever your favorite podcast app is. Gentlemen, let's dive into it. We're going to start with a weeknight game, and that would be Friday evening. Navy heads to SMU, Gerald J. Ford Stadium in Dallas, Texas, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time on ESPN. 
SMU won this game last year 31 to 24. SMU 3 and 1 straight up in the last 4 against Navy 3 and 7 straight up and against the spread in the last 10. <coughs> this is a strange spot. Uh, I believe. Kyle, I'm going to start with you on this. The last two seasons, Navy has gotten better after their bye week and substantially better. And it appears that they are doing so again this year. Looked like absolute trash to start the year. And now they've won two out of the last three. They played to a field goal game with Air Force. What are you looking at with this matchup? Yeah, I think that uh, Navy was so hapless at the start of the season, it's kind of hard to adjust on them. But if you just look at what they've done in the last few weeks, uh, this has been a pretty good team. In the last three weeks, Air Force, uh, pretty good showing. Uh, obviously, that one is a bit tricky because it's two triple option teams against each other. They upset a pretty good East Carolina team. And then last week, the 53-21 win over Tulsa is a home underdog. Um, should we be judging this team on their performance against Delaware from week one, or should we be judging them on what they've been doing here lately? Because the answers are a lot different, you know, what you're going to find as far as the numbers. Uh, I'm not saying Navy's a really good team, but they're a tricky team to prepare for uh, year in and year out. And SMU's in a really strange spot at this point. You know, all these guys sitting out, they're two and three. Uh, really, they should be better than this. I think they would be disappointed to be at this point. Uh, they were blown away last week by UCF in an odd situational scheduling spot, certainly. Uh, SMU's defensive front was supposed to be their strength. They should have been their strength this year. They're 90th in yards per carry allowed and 81st in rushing play success rate allowed. Navy, uh, their weaknesses against the pass, 110th in uh, success rate allowed against the pass. They've been really good against the run. I do think this kind of lines up that there could be some points in this game. I'm not a huge fan of taking overs in Navy games because they play so slowly and run the football all the time. But something else that stood out to me, too, Navy only 3.4 penalties per game. That's really important in a game that could be somewhat close. Uh, Navy's 25th in special teams grade at PFF, and SMU is 91st. I think the, the over has gotten a bit here based on the line move. I agree with that move. I also kind of like Navy plus the points here. I think there's enough question marks for SMU that I wouldn't be excited to lay any points here. I, I could totally understand that. Totally understand that. Parker, let's move over to your side. Uh, the run defense for SMU has been putrid. Uh, Navy's defense still kind of weak. There's question marks about both of these teams. What are you seeing going on in Dallas? Well, my initial take, just kind of blind resume, not accounting for a spot at all, would think that Navy really doesn't have anyone that can cover Rashi Rice from SMU. He's leading the team in targets there. But I think that's almost um, SMU's offense runs through Rice to a fault. He has 76 targets and uh, Calvante Dixon has 22. Outside of that, nobody has more than 20. So 213 pass attempts and, and you know, almost 40 percent of those have gone to Rashi Rice. So if Navy could find a way to, you know, double him, bracket him, whatever, they really could could force SMU to run the offense through other players players, which they really have not shown that they're able to do this season. Um, one thing to point out about Navy's defense, 131st in EPA per pass, but sixth in EPA per rush. So again, what do we know when we see a huge split like that? We think selection. Navy's rush defense has really not been um, challenged at all. I wonder if SMU doesn't try and get the run game going a little bit just because they've had so much volatility with the pass game and and maybe Tanner Mordecai not looking like his his usual or expected self this season. Um, Navy definitely interesting. I mean, the service academies are always weird, but Navy interesting because um, they, they do start slow. I think uh, maybe it was 2020 where they talked about not 
tackling in practice and then they got absolutely manhandled uh, the first game. I wonder if there's not something about their offseason that we're overlooking in terms of what's required for the academy or the, or the way that they kind of attack that that might contribute to their slow start there because they definitely seem to have a trend, but they normally get it fixed after the uh, after the buy there. Um, the 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 big deal. I mean, watching Navy's offense versus SMU's defense is going to be really, really weird because Navy's going to run it, right? They're 129th most in, in rush rate over expected. They're they're really um, uh, pushing the pushing the ball on the ground like you would expect. And SMU is 13th in rush rate over expected. So they're, I mean, they're passing left and right. There's going to be a huge pace mismatch here. If SMU can hit a couple big plays with Rashi Rags, I think they can keep this uh, and, and maybe right the ship and, and, and get some space here. But the the trends and kind of accounting for the spot and the direction that both teams are going, I, I think Navy could keep this close. I have this um, closer to 10 and a half, 11 than I do any kind of two touchdown lead here. So um, should should be a close game. Navy wants to muck it up, but we've seen last week they can they can score points when they need to. That's exactly the way that I'm looking at this game. I'm going to go ahead and make it official. I'm going to take Navy plus the 13 here. Uh, when I look at this run defense for SMU, at number 101 PPA per rush, number 85 in explosive runs allowed, uh, this Navy offense, number 22 PPA per rush right now, I like what Navy's doing on that side of the ball. I expect them to try and keep the ball away from SMU as much as possible. If I'm going to go with a more consistent offense, I think I'm going to ride with Navy here because I don't expect SMU to have as many opportunities. Navy might play a little bit of keep away with them. Uh, the other thing to point out here, Navy is number 18 in takeaways per game. Now, obviously, turnover luck is one thing that you can't exactly control, but SMU is number 118 in the country in giveaways per game. That is not good. So if they give any more opportunities to Navy to hold on to that football, uh, Navy can stay in this line, and I will certainly take them to cover 13 here. Uh, my number's got it closer to 10. I, I like this. I like Navy in this spot. Seems like uh, two teams trending in opposite directions. I will roll with the midshipmen on this one. Moving right along, oh, we got a big one. We got a big one for Fox Noon kickoff. Uh, Penn State heads to the big house. Michigan, a six-and-a-half-point favorite, juiced at minus 115 currently. The total sits at 52, latest numbers at BetUS. Ann Arbor will be rocking on this one. Michigan won last year 21-17. to They are 6-2 and two against the spread in the last eight against Penn State. The favorite in this matchup in the last eight is 7-1 and one against the number. That, of course, would lean towards Michigan. Penn State is 7-3 and three against the spread in their last 10 on the road. They are 9-3. and three, Excuse me, Michigan is 9-3 and three against the spread in their last 12 against the Big Ten. Parker, I'm going to start off with you on this. Obviously, Michigan playing for a little more this week. Mike Hart collapsed on the sideline last week at Indiana. It might have affected the way that they were playing in the first half. They came out and kind of pulled the, uh, the Python move where they just basically crushed them and sat on them in that second half against Indiana. Uh, these are two similar-looking teams when you look at the numbers, but as far as efficiency is concerned, Michigan may be slightly better. Uh, what are you looking at when you look at this game in Ann Arbor? Well, you, you, you do have to take an equality of opponent when you look at um, kind of how, how good Michigan actually is. Um, obviously, their numbers are really inflated from Colorado State, Hawaii, UConn to start off, but Maryland, a competent team, Iowa, a very good defense, Indiana, um, not exactly the doormat that Hawaii is, although uh, maybe a Big Ten doormat there. Um, and, and, and so Michigan is definitely beating bad teams really good. Um, wasn't quite like a, a crock potting or a boat racing against Indiana. They just kind of decided 
the game is over and we're going to ride this out um, and very comfortable win there. Penn State, I think, again, is one of the most misvalued teams in, in college football. Um, that's becoming increasingly less so as they have Sean Clifford healthy, as they're able to kind of figure out their run game and get a little bit more efficiency there this season. Um, they, they really are, are imbalanced between run and pass. I have them at 74th overall on offense compared to Michigan's uh, fifth on defense. So again, that's not opponent adjusted. I think Michigan's probably closer to a top 25 defense rather than a top five defense. But um, I, I do think that Penn State should be able to move the ball uh, or should 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 be able um, to to match Michigan on the defensive side. I wonder if they'll be able to move the ball. I have Penn State at eighth on defense. Michigan is 15th on offense. So definitely Penn State's offense will be the question mark here. They've had, you know, a little bit of a struggle. That Central Michigan game was was a little weird. Northwestern, they only put up 17 points against a not great team. Um, I, I, I think a lot of numbers are going to take Michigan here. I actually am going to um, have Penn State just, just inside that six and a half, closer to like a five number. And, and so... Um, I don't have an official play here. I think both of these teams are going to run a lot more than um, than they have against other opponents. 85th for Penn State and rush rate over expected 92nd for Michigan. So two very slow teams. The stat that I think this will come down to is we have some great asymmetry on third downs. Penn State 79th and third and fourth down success on offense. Michigan is seventh and third and fourth down success on defense. So that seems to say if Penn State can't get the ball moving early, they're going to find themselves in a hole that they're not going to be able to dig out of. On the flip side, Penn State's defense 50th and third and fourth down success Michigan 97th but Michigan is fifth on early downs EPA so Michigan is really good at avoiding third downs most of the third downs they see are really long so I, I really think that Penn State's third down efficiency is going to matter a lot more than Michigan's because Penn State has had to move the ball by getting these second and third and fourth down conversions to string together drives whereas Michigan's win way more exploited uh way more explosive a super interesting matchup here um the, you know, not not to say the fate of the Big Ten is in the balance because um, Ohio State is lurking for, for both of these teams. But this should be a powerhouse game of football. I expect it to be pretty physical um, and would slightly lean towards Penn State covering just because I don't think there'll be that much scoring. But uh, no official play for me. And that I can understand where you're coming from. They look very evenly matched as it currently sits. Uh, one thing, uh, as far as your numbers go, the field position battle. Uh, these are two teams that are great at field position. I am very curious to see who's able to win that matchup as far as, far as like special teams, et cetera. Kyle, let's move it over to your side. Uh, Penn State, of course, coming off of a bye week after that monsoon game against Northwestern. Uh, this offense has been less than consistent. Uh, what are you looking at from both Penn State and Michigan? Yeah, I mean, two unbeaten teams and two storied programs on a big noon game. This is definitely a, a one I'm pumped up to see. Uh, neither of these teams have played a tough schedule. I know Penn State's strength of schedule is a bit better than Michigan's, but you know the win at Auburn doesn't look as good as it would in normal season, certainly. Now, the way that they won was impressive, certainly. Um, this isn't to say that these two teams aren't good, but we really haven't seen them play against quality competition very much. So it makes it hard for me to want to pick a side here in this one, to be honest. Um, I see there is kind of steam on the over. I, I kind of disagree with that. Um, I think this could be a low-scoring game. Uh, going into last weekend, there was a look-ahead line of Michigan minus 10. Uh, big adjustment for one week. Uh, Michigan didn't look good at Indiana. I watched quite a bit of that game. Not impressive. Were they looking ahead? I don't know. Maybe uh, Penn State plus 10 would have probably been a play for me because uh, 10's a pretty big number in a game that I think should be fairly close. Uh, Penn State's secondary is elite. I don't expect Michigan to air it out very much here, though. I think uh, the question is, can Penn State stop the run? 
Uh, Michigan has 21 runs of 20 yards or more so far this year. So explosive on the ground with Corum and company. Two teams that both have a really good pass rush. The the difference there is Michigan's offensive line is a lot better than Penn State's offensive line. I think that's a big edge for them. Um, I actually had somebody ask uh, after last week's shows if I could give some angles both on first and second half betting uh, against the spread too, because I know some people are into betting just first half or second half. So I'll give some stats on those as we go. But all time, uh, Franklin 74 and 56 ATS, and that's full game, 57%. Harbaugh 71 and 60. Um, and first half and second half, an interesting one here. Harbaugh was 47 and 27 in the second half when they're favored by six points or more. Um, I'll let you guys interpret that the way that you want to. Uh, Harbaugh as a favorite has gone ahead and covered the second half spread at a 47 and 27 against the spread uh, pace. So uh, they're not afraid to run up the score is how I would interpret that. But uh, are they able to run up the score against Penn State? Uh, you know, I don't know. I think six and a half is probably a pretty good line to take Michigan here. Uh, I don't have a strong opinion on this. I, I do disagree with the steam on the over. That I can understand that. This seems like it would be a game much akin to last season that was a 21 to 17 final. I, I'm riding Michigan on this. I liked it at seven. I'll especially take it at minus six and a half. There's been a lot of love for Penn State this week, and I know that they've played a difficult schedule. I understand the road game at Purdue, et cetera. But when I look at these two teams, uh, I, one, it's tough to forget exactly what has happened in the big house every time that Penn State has gone there. I mean, it, other than that 2020 season where Michigan was just awful, uh, they dominate Penn State and really good Penn State teams in the big house. Uh, this, I expect a big day from Michigan here. Uh, penalties per game, Penn State number 55, Michigan is number five in the country. Uh, that's definitely good. I, I had that question, Parker, can Penn State get that running game going? And I don't know that they can in this spot. Uh, Purdue was able to hold them down pretty well. Uh, there's been other teams that have not been able to. Obviously, uh, Singleton, a fantastic back. They've got other options back there as well. But I don't think that offensive line is going to be able to get their blocks against this Michigan defensive line. I like the linebackers for Michigan as well. I know that they've got some guys that are dinged up. I know they've got some guys at the tight end is out, the long snappers out, et cetera. I don't think it's going to matter here. I'm going to ride with the Wolverines to cover the six and a half here. And, uh, and that will be my official play on this one. Moving right along, we got another big one in the Big Ten. Minnesota heads to Illinois, and the Golden Gophers, six-and-a-half-point favorites, juiced at minus 115 over at BetUS currently, and the total sits at 39. So this one at Memorial Stadium in Champaign, Illinois. It's 12 p.m. Eastern time on the Big Ten Network. Uh, guys, Tommy DeVito is out with a high ankle sprain. Uh, I mean, you move to Sidkowski. That's a pretty big downgrade as far as as far as what I've seen out of both of those guys. Uh, it, I don't think that's going to help. They're number 115 points per scoring opportunity offense, uh, Illinois. I, the defense is fantastic. I mean, they're number two in PPA per drive. Uh, last year, Illinois won this game 14-6, to six, and it was a shocking result based on what we had seen from Minnesota. But Minnesota tosses those up every now and then, right? We've seen they lost to Bowling Green last year, and yet they beat Colorado 30 to nothing. And that, that's a different Colorado team than what we've seen thus, that, thus far this year. Uh, Illinois is two and five straight up in their last seven against Minnesota, three and four against the spread against Minnesota in the last seven. You look at the last nine games overall, Illinois seven and two against the spread, Minnesota 31, 15 and five against the spread. Their last 51 road games, PJ flex team travels. They rode the boat wherever it is that they're going at the biggest thing for Minnesota, Ibrahim coming back, the running back 
Uh, he's the best pass-blocking running back. Uh, the story is the defense, though, for Minnesota as well. These are two very good defensive teams, hence why the total sits where it is. Number eight PPA per drive. They're number three in points per scoring opportunity. That's a big switch up. One defense that will not let you finish drives and the Illinois offense that cannot finish drives anyway. So uh, let's let's move this over to Kyle here. Uh, without DeVito, I think Illinois is going to have a very tough time generating points without getting short fields. And I think that Illinois is more likely to turn the ball over than Minnesota. Uh, how do you see this game breaking down? Yeah, I think it's a pretty big drop off from DeVito to Sitkowski, certainly. Um, you know, I don't know that it's, uh, it's a sure thing that Sitkowski will be starting instead of DeVito, but I think it would be pretty surprising if DeVito plays in this game based on his injury. Um, yeah, I think it's interesting. I'm looking here at Sitkowski's page on PFF, an ADOT of 4.8, uh, just insanely low. I mean, not taking any chances at all. Uh, I don't think that's going to be a good recipe for success here. Uh, Minnesota is going to key in on Chase Brown in the running game. They're going to dare Sitkowski to beat them by passing. I don't think he can do it. And while um, I, I think Chase Brown's very good, and I think uh, Illinois has a pretty good offensive line, it's tough when the other team knows what's coming or doesn't respect the the passing game. So uh, on the other side, I will say Illinois' defense has been fantastic. We have to shout out uh, Ryan Walters and the job he's doing. Just tremendous stuff. I don't think you could count, you know, you couldn't count very many DCs that you'd want in front of Ryan Walters at this point. I mean, this guy's done a tremendous job. Look where they were when he got there and now what they've been lately. They've racked up 43 tackles for loss for a whopping 241 yards loss for their for the opposition. So they're getting them behind the sticks, certainly. Uh, Minnesota's defense is very solid as well. They're sixth in success rate allowed, uh, Illinois second. Uh, the key to this handicap is both teams running the football versus the run defense, because I think this is going to be a very run-heavy uh, game from both teams. Minnesota's ran it on 65% of plays so far this year. I think uh, Minnesota has a lot fewer question marks than does Illinois here coming into this one. Uh, Ibrahim being back helps them a lot. And, uh, you know, wind is in the forecast for this game. I'll say about 15 miles per hour on the average wind speed. If you look at several different sites, this is very early in the week. So if it's six or eight by the weekend, don't be shocked. But uh, 15 miles per hour wind, who does that help? I think probably Minnesota, stronger offensive line, second and run blocking grade at PFF. I think they can run the football some, even uh, regardless of the conditions. And, uh, you know, to me, I hate laying this many points, though, with this low of a total. I know you say this many points, only six and a half. But, <laughs> I mean, how many points are going to be scored in this game? I don't think it's probably going to be very many. So uh, I think maybe an Illinois team total under, if Sitkowski's uh, confirmed to be starting here, uh, could be worth a look. Trying to think as I'm talking what that number would be under. It'd probably be under something a little bit north of two touchdowns. So, yeah, I think Illinois team total under would be my look here. And I think if I was had to bet here, I'd probably bet Minnesota. But I'm a bit hesitant, too, based on I think this will be a really low-scoring game. I tend to agree. We did have somebody in the chat jump in and say that Illinois, uh, if they start Sitkowski, they are going to be even more inclined to run the football. They're just going to grind the game out, run as much clock as humanly possible, and try and get out of there with a win. Uh, 39 points would certainly be a ton of points at that point. Uh, Parker, let's move it over to you. Uh, you know, knowing that DeVito is injured, et cetera, I'm not sure exactly what to expect from this Illinois uh, offense. We saw against Iowa, who is a fantastic defense, but Minnesota's defense is 
you know, not anything to snuff at. This is a good, good Gophers defense. Uh, what are you looking at in this game? Yeah, I think that um, this this is really interesting. Kind of, kind of on on both sides here. Illinois' offense is really asymmetrical. Ninety first in EPA per pass, sixty eighth in EPA per rush, and they're rushing um, three point four percent more uh, than than the average team. That's eighty eighth um, nationally. So obviously Chase Brown, I say this every week, he's one of the most involved players in college football and his durability and 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 um, his his ability to, to make big plays while being that involved is very impressive. But this offense is very, very imbalanced. They've been benefited um, a lot by good starting field position. They're 20th in starting field position on average on offense. Minnesota's defense is 55th. So maybe there's a special teams edge that Illinois can benefit from with their defense, putting their offense in good spots and relieve some of the burden on that offense having to drive so long because you do know exactly what it's going to be. It's almost like um, the Cowboys in the 90s or what was the the Florida high school story about uh, about Emmett Smith where they had three plays, which were hand the ball to Emmett, pitch the ball to Emmett, and throw the ball to Emmett. Illinois is running the Emmett Smith offense with, with Chase Brown, especially with Sitowski back there. Um, they, they, um, are, are really, really getting into third downs a lot. They're 102nd in percent of first downs on first and second down. So in third down avoidance, um, and Minnesota's defense is fourth and third and fourth down success. So you add in, they know what's coming. Um, Illinois is going to run the ball. Minnesota's already good in those third and third and fourth down short situations. I think they'll really struggle to move the ball against what I, what I would consider. I'm going to slap a tag here an underrated defense. I think Minnesota's defense is overall underrated. They're second in EPA per play. Um, and again, opponent adjusted, that'll come down a little bit, but still very, very impressive. Um, on offense for Minnesota, um, they're running the ball 5.9% more than uh, the average team. That's 101st in the nation, but that's misleading. Why? Three letters, R-P-O, right? Run pass option. That is what they are doing. That's what they want to do. They want to run glance R-P-O over and over and over again. They want to embarrass the linebackers. If you want to be a smart football guy at your game watching party this weekend, just watch the linebacker where the tight end is lined up. If he comes up, say, hey, they're going to throw it. If he goes back, say, hey, they're going to give it. And you can watch Minnesota's offense. Kirk Sorok is back. They're in there. They're in their element, really moving the ball well. Mo Ibrahim absolutely frees them up to do that. It also frees them up in true pass sets and lets them uh, develop a little more routes downfield, maybe take advantage of um, some of those deeper developing routes. Uh, Gary, you pointed this out on Twitter, and I totally agree. He's a great pass blocker. And um, Minnesota doesn't go into those true pass sets often, right? They're going to do a lot of RPO play action screens, but when they do, they need to keep him in so they can have four guys out there and kind of get through their progressions. Um, only 38% of their snaps are true pass sets. So if they can bring in Ibrahim and make those count, I think that brings up the explosive ceiling on the offense. In addition to raising the floor, they're, they're 10th in EPA per rush. Last thing I'll say, because I'm giving a monologue, maybe a soliloquy, <laughs> I don't know the difference. On defense, Illinois is second in passing, 19th in rushing. The problem, they have to defend both. With the RPO, with that game, they're going to get stretched pretty thin here. I'm rowing the boat. I like Minnesota. Let's go Gophers to cover. I like it. I love it. Yeah, it was a monologue, but hey, when you got good data, you got good information, I think that's what everybody's here for. Everybody in the chat certainly seems to appreciate it. So yes, let's make it official. Parker, his first pick of the day, Minnesota to cover six and a half, juiced at minus 115 over at BetUS. I like it, my friend. I might, I might have to write a little pizza money on that. I might have to do that. All right. Reminder. The podcast. If you can't join the show live, get the podcast. Bet US Football Show. Anywhere you get your podcast, leave a nice five-star review. That helps us out. 
Along with that, make sure you jump in the chat for the Q&A at the end of the show. A lot of guys already got questions in, but go ahead and make sure that you uh, toss in whatever your question is. We will curate those, and we will hit them at the end of the show. Uh, but if you're talking about the topic that we're talking about, we'll, we'll absolutely refer to it uh, so long as we see it. So along with that, make sure you like the video. We're already up to 120. Not too shabby. I see a bunch of guys in the chat telling everybody to like the video. We appreciate that. You guys know what numbers we're looking for, but we're up to 120. Let's get this thing up to about 200. Go ahead and hit the like button. Make sure that you are subscribed. To be in the chat, you have to be subscribed. So subscribe to the channel. Hit the notification bell. It lets you know when we go live, and that is every Tuesday and Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern time. Very simple to do. Of course, I said Tuesdays and Wednesdays. That means we do have a show tomorrow. Make sure and set your calendar. Be right back here again tomorrow for the late slate of week number seven. Moving along, we got an SEC game that we have got to hit in the noon slate. 12 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN. Auburn heads to Vaught-Hemingway Stadium in Oxford, Mississippi. And Ole Miss, yeah, what a crazy number. 16-point favorites. Latest line at BetUS. The total sits at 54 on this. Gentlemen, uh, that's a big number. Uh, with Auburn being 8-1 and one straight up, 6-1-2 and two against the spread against Ole Miss in their last nine. Kyle, let's start with you. Uh, this Auburn team's bad. What you got? Well, first I want to say about the Ole Miss and Vandy game last week, that was actually my second biggest play last week, taking the under. I mean, Vandy had that 2010 lead. Uh, Ole Miss kind of spotted them that lead and then went nuts on them. Uh, Jackson Dart just had the game of his life. I know it was Vanderbilt's defense, but I was still a bit surprised to see Jackson Dart just um, doing everything correct. He has that A dot of 12 and a half on the season, and those deep passes were working last week. Uh, Ole Miss is a tricky team because uh, they run so much and they try those deep passes. Uh, you know, if if those deep passes aren't hitting, then they can become very predictable. Now, in this game, uh, Auburn has a good secondary. Their defensive line has been pretty disappointing. I think Ole Miss will run the football a lot in this one, um, try to write it down their throat if they can. And Robbie Ashford, uh, you know, Robbie Ashford, Ashford hasn't been very efficient, but he has shown some flashes. I don't think he's as bad as some people have been saying he is. Uh, you know, the Tulsa and Vanderbilt games have me a bit concerned for this Ole Miss defense. I think they've played such a weak schedule that one of these times we're going to say, uh, look at Ole Miss's defense and then, you know, give it a couple games and their defensive stats have changed a lot. Uh, you know, on, on roster talent, I think it's hard to lay this many points with Ole Miss. The question is, can we know what Auburn's motivation level is here? And I think that's a really tricky one. If they are equally motivated as Ole Miss, I think I'd probably take Auburn here in this one. Uh, if not, they're tough to back. I'm going to pass on this one, but I do want to say a second half angle again here. And I brought this one up before. You guys probably remember this. Brian Harson, just atrocious in the second half. I mean, this is really hard to do. 38 and 68 against the spread in the second half. So I'm kind of hoping that Auburn uh, keeps it together in the first half and then we can go fade Auburn in the second half here and take Ole Miss because just crazy. Actually, of any coach in the database, he's the worst against the spread in the second half. So 38 and 68 in the second half. I think uh, Ole Miss second half could be a good play if this one's pretty close. Yeah, teams do tend to be able to adjust to what Harson is doing. And Harson and that bunch uh, don't make a whole lot of adjustments Otherwise, so uh, we've seen it time and time again. They've given up double-digit leads. Uh, they obviously didn't do it against Georgia, but uh, but certainly a possibility in this spot for some live betting and maybe some halftime bets. Uh, Parker, moving over to you, you know, uh, Auburn had the two dog fights. Ole Miss handled Vandy. Uh, they lost Michael Trigg, you know, to the broken collarbone. 
but this Rebel defense, it, it appears to travel. Things look pretty good here. Uh, give me give me some thoughts on what's going to go down in Vault Hemingway. I am increasing my suspicion that Ole Miss is fake. I know that goes against the narrative <laughs> that we're saying here. I'm worried about it. I feel like I got a little house of cards situation. I think I totally agree with Kyle. Blind resume. I didn't know the names on the jerseys. I think I would be taking Auburn in this spot. But, buddy, I am not going to put any money in Brian Harson's hands this season. That's that's not going to happen. So um, big deal for me with, with Ole Miss is 31st in EPA per rush on defense, 76th in EPA per pass. Davis Brin is a good quarterback. Davis Brin is not a Heisman-level quarterback, and they were they were making him look pretty good. Um, and so I, I think they have some issues with selection there. Like Kyle said, they are running so much, uh, 119th in rush rate over expected um, so, you know, really moving the ball on the ground. Obviously, they have Judkins and Evans, two really great backs. And shout out to Ulysses Bentley, who's also a great back that they just don't need and doesn't, you know, doesn't have to do very much for this team. Um, so they do have the stable of running backs. I think that'll help them distance this game. And once they get a lead, be able to sit on it. But if they miss a big play with some inconsistency from Dart, I mean, that, that unwinds pretty quickly just because they select their, their shots so well and those shots need to be open and capitalized. Dart against his last three games, Tulsa 54% completion, Kentucky 51% completion, Vanderbilt 78.1% completion. I can think of a variable that explains the, uh, the improved play last week a little bit, and it rhymes with Vanderbilt's defensive backs. And so I think that... Um, <laughs> There might be a little bit of a bump there for him. Uh, lastly, uh, Auburn's defense is um, is a little bit of a, a split here. And uh, 20, 26th in EPA per pass, 80th in EPA per rush. So maybe there's some opportunity for Ole Miss to prod that defense that hasn't been tested because they give up the run so much. But Auburn really does struggle with explosive plays. 18th in quality possession rate, 95th in points per quality possession. So again, blind resume, I, would, I think that Auburn could potentially keep this a little bit close just because I think Ole Miss's defense is a little fake and their offense is a house of cards, but I do not want to play. I do not want to play money on Auburn. I I'm going to go the opposite <laughs> Hit way. Hit me with the not so fast, Gary. Hit me with no, the no, not no. so fast. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go with Ole Miss here. So, and here's the reasoning why this is very similar to red river, right? This is a team that, uh, that has some pride that is feeling good about their current coaching staff, et cetera. Uh, Ole Miss does not beat Auburn very often. They are 5-20 and 20 straight up in the last 25 against Auburn. They always feel like they are right there, and now is the chance for them to absolutely blow the doors off of this team. I don't expect them to ease up at all at any point in this game. You look at the numbers, uh, number 12 PPA per pass on defense is Auburn, but they're number 88 per rush. They're not good at defending the run. That's exactly what Ole Miss does. They are super explosive in the running game. Uh, the Rebels' defense on the other side, they are number 20, excuse me, number six in 20-plus yard plays allowed. That is what Auburn has had to lean on to get points, whether it's against LSU or Missouri, et cetera. They've had to have those explosive plays. That's the only way that Robbie Ashford can provide anything. He is not efficient in any way. Uh, this is a a rough spot. Oh, Ole Miss, number seven PPA per rush, number 13 in explosive running. I think if Lane is interested in this Auburn job, which a lot of people say that he is, if he's interested in any job at all, this is one of those where he's going to put on a show. I expect Ole Miss to be able to cover this 16. I, my number's closer to three touchdowns. So I am going to ride with Ole Miss on an official play. I got three out of the first four picks here. I do. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing with this, but uh, but I'm feeling good this week. I like Ole Miss to cover 16 at home. I think they are going to put it on Auburn, and Auburn heads into that bye week, maybe looking for a new coach. We'll see. We'll see. Let's move over to the Big 12 now. Iowa State 
heads to Austin, Texas, DKR Memorial Stadium. Going to be hopping, I would imagine, Texas, a 16-and-a-half-point favorite. Whew, what a line. 49-and-a-half is the total here. Of course, the latest numbers over at BetUS. And, gentlemen, Iowa State, 30-to-7 last year, and this year they're nearly a 17-point dog. Just how much a year can change, right? This one's 12 p.m. Eastern time on ABC. Iowa State, 3-3 three and three straight up in the last six against Texas. However, they are 2-4 and four against the spread in those last six. Uh, Iowa State has not done well when they face winning teams for whatever reason here. 1-6-1 one, and one against the spread against winning teams in the last eight. Texas, 5-0 and oh against the number in their last five at home. They appear to be rolling. By the way, just something to pay attention to. The under in this matchup, you know, it's 49.5 is the total right now. The under is 7-0 and oh in the last seven games. Something to pay attention to. Quinn Ewers was obviously a shot in the arm for that offense. Look, these guys look like Patrick Bateman and American Psycho against Oklahoma last week. They just would not stop. It's like, he's already dead. What are you doing? Uh, the defense has been a surprise to me for the Longhorns. They look great. Number 31 PPA per drive, number 21 success rate. Iowa State has lost three straight games. They've all been super close. The defense has been pretty good. The offense is having issues, though. They're number 76 in the country in giveaways per game. They cannot run the ball. They're 105 in PPA per rush. Uh, Parker, I'm going to start with you here. Uh, Iowa State, they're passing 60% of the time now. Now that they've realized that their offensive line cannot run block, they're number 86 and stuff right allowed. Uh, give me some thoughts here. What do you feel about Iowa State and Texas? Yeah, Iowa State's definitely having some issues along the uh, along the offensive line. I know they've had some injuries, and they have you know a first time center who um, had had a couple gaffes that probably ended up being decisive in the in the Kansas game. A couple, one one particularly in the red zone. But um, I, I really think so. One, I'll go process, and then I'll let Kyle talk about that because I know he's going to talk about low total and big underdog. Like that's good. That's, that's the money. Right. And so I, I really just don't think that in the landscape of the big 12, that Texas is 17 points better than Iowa state in expectation. Um, coming off a big game, I think obviously some emotional look out there. And I mean, again, we do garbage time for a reason to recognize that like, that wasn't as apocalyptic as it looked like they, Oklahoma got beat. They were in a very bad situation, but in terms of taking forward Texas's quality, got to keep that in check there. I think Texas can score very well. One thing that I believe that Texas really relies on is getting big runs from Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson. They've got a great running back stable there, and that really frees up them to run those glance RPOs, take those deep shots, feature Ewer's arm. Um, I, I don't think, I mean, Iowa State has 53 missed tackles uh, this season. And so uh, we're, what, six six games in now. And so I think I think that um, that's a little bit higher than than last year. But I expect this kind of balance from a Matt Campbell team. They really bottled up um, Kansas State's explosiveness last week. And I, I, I don't know that they'll score a lot, but they do have the seventh-ranked defense. On the flip side, on offense, yes, uh, Hunter Deckers puts heat on the ball. Hunter Deckers is young. He gets indecisive. Texas's defense is 68th in EPA per play. We saw what Donovan Smith could do just in terms of being erratic, extending plays. I wonder if Iowa State is a little more aggressive, but with a little bit more balance than perhaps Texas Tech was able to do against this Texas team. So I think they'll frustrate the offense. Um, I, I mean, the thing about this being 17 is Texas could win by two touchdowns and turn it off in the second half and and Iowa State would, would still cover. So I think in expectation, I, I think of this more as like a 14, 14 and a half game, uh, worst case scenario. And you get the buffer of um, I, I think that's just a lot of room for Iowa State to to play with uh, there as well. So I'm going to go with the Cyclones uh, as a as a road dog here. 
I can uh, I can totally understand that. Moving over to Kyle on this, uh, I don't know that Iowa State can score in this matchup. You know, we had a couple of guys in the chat mention that Iowa State's not going to be able to score here. But the question is, can Texas score enough on that Iowa State defense in order to cover? Uh, you expect both of them to be able to put up some kind of points at some point. Uh, but give me some thoughts here. What, what are you thinking on the Longhorns? Well, I think Texas's defense has been the biggest surprise to me about the team. Like Gary said, you know, this has been a defense that's been much better than I expected them to be. Uh, you look back at last week, though, 49 to nothing over Oklahoma. Uh, Davis Bevel did not look good at all. And I think the drop off from uh, Gabriel to Bevel is about as good as or is about as big as I've ever seen in college football from one quarterback to the next. So, um, you know, Texas. Their stats are a bit skewed based on what you saw last week, at least. Uh, you know, if they played Dylan Gabriel, I'm not saying they would have lost the game, but you, you get my point. The, the defensive stats wouldn't look near as impressive. Um, Texas has been very good, and I'm not wanting to fade Texas. At the same time, uh, you know, this is a spot too, situationally. How could you get much of a better spot for Iowa State, right? Texas coming off a 49 to nothing win over Oklahoma. They got to be feeling really good about themselves now. Um, Texas has a game in Stillwater against Oklahoma State next week. If you're if you're going to overlook one team here, it would probably be the team that doesn't have a win in the Big 12 yet in Iowa State. Iowa State's been so close, but they haven't been able to finish the deal. Uh, they've been very good in recent years in turning games into this lower scoring slog, you know, this messy, ugly game. Cyclones catching a lot of points here. I think Texas... You know, just like I said, is is a very good team that might not be terribly motivated to run up a score in a game like this. And Matt Campbell, you know, uh, like him or don't like him, he's 28 and 14 as an underdog um, as of three points or more in his career. So, you know, he's covered spreads as an underdog, winds of 12 to 14 miles per hour in the in the forecast here early, still early. But wind is an equalizer. Underdogs have done better in uh, windy games, lower scoring games. The under is 68 and 50. And Campbell's games overall, and like Gary said, 7-0 and in the last seven. I did consider taking the under in this one, and I still think that's a pretty good play too. But I'm going to take Iowa State. I actually bet this a little bit here at plus 17 yesterday. 16.5 still I think is a good number. I'm going to take Iowa State in this one and what I think is a really good spot for them and a tough spot for Texas. Well, let's go ahead and make it official, both Parker and Kyle, siding together on Iowa State, the Cyclones, to cover 16 and a half. I cannot say that I disagree. I will tell you this. I am terrified of that Quinn Ewers train right now. Uh, he is that, that they are just fantastic. But uh, with a low total uh, spread that high, totally understand it, especially with that Iowa State has played defense as of late. So let's move it along. We have got a banger in the SEC. The third Saturday in October. Smoke them if you got them. Alabama, a seven-point favorite, juiced at minus 115. Latest number at BetUS. At Tennessee, Neyland Stadium, Knoxville, Tennessee. The total sits at 66, so they are expecting points. Last year, Alabama won this game 52-24. to In the last six, Alabama is 5-1 and one against the spread. The shortest margin in that time uh, period was 22. That's right. They have not been able to keep it within three touchdowns, has Tennessee. Parker, let's start off with you. CBS Game of the Week here. Bryce Young expected to play this weekend. There's been no official announcement, but that is the expectation in Tuscaloosa. Uh, I'm, I'm seeing some mismatches here. What, what are you looking at? 
I my numbers have this as Alabama by minus ten. Um, so I'm just gonna put that out there and talk to you about why I'm, I would believe that or don't believe that. But I'm not gonna have an official play. I'm just gonna say that that's where it's at. Um, one thing I will say about kind of the spot coming into this. Um, obviously, whether Bryce Young is healthy matters a whole lot. Uh, Tennessee last week was uh, scored 23 points in the first half against LSU. They had a 27, a start, a, a touchdown after starting at the LSU 27 after a fumbled kickoff return. They had a punt return uh, for 58 yards that started them at first and 10 at the LSU 26. So they went up 10-0. They um, drove, uh, and then they had a touchdown. That started at the LSU 45-yard line, so one play, one touchdown there. And then they had a field goal where they started at the LSU 47. So um, some situational help from LSU there for Tennessee to kind of blow them out. Again, good teams score when they get short fields. That's not to, to denigrate the quality of Tennessee's offense per se, but it is to say that LSU gave Tennessee a lot of help in, in making this a very ugly game last week. So this offense is super, super efficient, though. Ninth in EPA per pass, 14th in EPA per rush. Very balanced. They're 72nd in rush rate over Expected. Only 0.3% more than the average team. This hypo offense, remember, is going to be precision throws. They're going to run if you if you give them a light box, and they're going to um, get those deep throws every every time that they can. Uh, the big the big difference maker for me about this offense is Will Anderson for for. Uh, Alabama just uh, kind of fa- I don't know that that I do know that Tennessee has not faced that caliber of a disruptive player and that can really change the equation in terms of this basketball on grass kind of I, gimmick he sounds too negative because it's a good offense but you know what the gimmick is um, the one thing I'm worried about for Tennessee and why I would be inclined to agree with my numbers if I actually had to make a play here Tennessee's pass defense is 75th in success rate 98th in EPA per pass Tennessee is 95th in echo rate allowed quality possession rate allowed opponents average a quality possession on 56.5 percent of their drives but tennessee is 10th in preventing finishing drives 2.58 points per quality possession but if i may um you can look at the offenses that tennessee has played and explain that pretty well ball state Pitt, akron florida and then lsu last week with with some injuries so um that can be explained a little bit that finishing ability might be a little bit propped up by schedule and by spot there so Numbers say Alabama minus 10. You, you, you absolutely made me. I I think I'd go with Alabama here, but I, I we're going to see who Tennessee is. We're going to see what Josh Heupel's got. I'm excited about this one. One of the key things with college football betting is do not overreact to what you saw the week before a game, right? That's the biggest thing. We saw Alabama look not great, fumble the football three times, threw an interception, et cetera, against Texas A&M. That is a different quarterback. They were running a different game plan in that game. Texas A&M is a far cry from what Tennessee wants to do in that spot. Kyle, let's turn it over to you. Tennessee starting safety. Uh, McCullough was arrested on Sunday. Not sure whether he's going to play or not. It does not look good as far as what the police report says. Uh, Their defense is already number 72 PPA per pass. They are the number 13 PPA per drive offense, number 14 PPA per pass. I mean, their passing success isn't great, but they are, they're efficient moving the football for sure. What do you see Tennessee doing in this game against Alabama? Well, I I think you made a great point there. Uh, You know, that's what I was going to say as well, Gary, is that people overreact to what they just saw. So everybody at the end of last week's game, right, all of us are are seeing on Twitter, people are posting like Tennessee is going to run this team off the field. It's not even going to be close. So I started thinking about this and I'm thinking Tennessee is a very good team, certainly, um, Alabama didn't play well. Milrow is, is definitely a big step down from Bryce Young, especially when it comes to passing. 
Uh, and the way to beat Tennessee is to throw it. Uh, Tennessee has been good against the run, seventh in rushing play success rate allowed, 84th in passing play success rate allowed. I'm going to assume that Bryce Young will play here and start. Uh, if he does, I think Alabama can score a good amount of points in this game, uh, especially with the pace that this game will be played at. Certainly Tennessee pushes the pace. I also love uh, Parker's basketball on grass that he talks about for Tennessee. I love that. Uh, basketball season's not too far away. I love the the basketball on grass. Now, Tennessee is 82nd in pass blocking grade at PFF. Uh, we know Alabama with Anderson, like Parker was talking about, is going to be able to get after the quarterback. That concerns me a bit for for Hendon Hooker. I would think Tennessee would prefer to run it or throw uh, really quick short routes here to keep uh, Hooker off the turf in this one. But, you know, I, I guess my question is, uh, I'll, Gary, I'll ask you this. You're a Bama guy. So uh, Alabama's defense has been so good this year. Really, I think their numbers defensively probably better than I would have guessed at this point in the season. So uh, which do you think is more beatable, their run defense or pass defense? Which which concerns you more, I guess I would say, as a Bama fan? The pass defense. Yeah. Uh, the secondary still somewhat questionable. Uh, they've got good guys back there, but Saban does like to keep those guys on islands uh, so that he can bring as much pressure as, as possible. Uh, he would love in this matchup to be able to just, you know, rush four and just drop everybody else and that be it. Uh, I don't know if they'll be able to do that against Hooker. Uh, if you can find a way to keep him in the pocket, yeah, but that pass defense that if you've got stud receivers that can make one on one plays, it, we've said this before, if you can turn 50 50 balls into 70 30 balls, then you have an advantage there. Uh, that's what I think Tennessee wants to do, and they can do it. I mean, we saw Texas do it against the secondary. So that's that's where the questions lie for me. So yeah. go ahead, Kyle. Back back to you. Well, that's what I was going to say is I think Texas showed the blueprint for how you have to try to beat Alabama's defense is, is uh, kind of put those jump balls up against the, the secondary. I'm not sure if uh, Tennessee is quite as well equipped as Texas to do that. I do think Tennessee can score a decent amount of points here. Tennessee's offense is very good. I can't bet a game uh, here where it's it feels very reactionary and quick to be like, oh, Tennessee is winning this game. Here we go. But at the same time, Alabama hasn't been good on the road, as Gary's harped on for a long time now. And this is a really tough place to play. So I think this is a dangerous game to bet. I know uh, people would would love for us to say, you know, here's this lock of the week or some massive play or something like that. I think it's tough to find a great play here. I think if I was forced to play it, I might take the over, but uh, I wouldn't want to bet the over without knowing for sure that Bryce Young's playing because it's just such a big difference in, in their passing attack, and they need that passing attack here. Yeah, I do I do like that. If Bryce Young plays, I will certainly have some pizza money on Alabama to cover that seven. Uh, but as it sits, you know, Nick Saban never lost to Tennessee at 15-0. and 0. Uh, Alabama the last three times in Knoxville average score 47.83 to 15.3. I mean, just just bludgeoning, won by 39, 37, and 31, the last three that they've gone to Knoxville. Obviously, it's a different era with the AD Danny White and the head coach Josh Heupel. It's going to be interesting to see what happens here. Tennessee, by the way, a few trends. Alabama is 14-3 and three against the spread after a spread loss in their last 17. Tennessee, 8-24 and 24 against the spread at home against a winning team. It's uh, it, There are a lot of trends that tend to point Alabama. In this one, however, this is one that they have been waiting on for a very, very long time in Knoxville. The Vol Navy will be absolutely rocking. That place is going to be lit. So no official play here. If Bryce Young plays, I'll go on and tell you I am going to have some pizza money on Alabama. Uh, 
I told you guys in the in our little group chat on Saturday night. I said if this thing opens at ten, I am taking Tennessee all day. Uh, but it did not. It didn't come out at ten. It, by the time we were able to get it, it was already seven and a half, eight, somewhere around there. Um, I I don't know that there's a ton of value in the number right now. So. Uh, moving along, reminder, go ahead and like the video. We got 600-plus people watching. Y'all like that video. Uh, like, excuse me. Press the thumbs up. That's easy. Press the thumbs up for me. Uh, go ahead and knock that out. That certainly helps us out. Uh, we want to get to 200 and uh, and maybe even 300 by the end of the show. We still got a, a couple more games to hit and our Q&A segment. So make sure and like the video for us. Subscribe to the channel if you've not already. Hit that notification bell. We're live every Tuesday and Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern time. And, of course... Keep tossing in those questions into the chat. We love to interact with you guys. And, of course, you have your own community going over here. So I'm loving it. Our bone says golf balls will be thrown in this game. Uh, I, I, would, I would love to see it. I would love to see it. So, gentlemen, let's move on. Maybe a game that's not going to get a ton of hype. But Ohio heads to Western Michigan, an old-school MAC battle. The last time these two played was 2019. Western Michigan won that one 37-34. Uh, the last five times that they have played, Western Michigan is four and one straight up, three and two against the spread. And the line here, Ohio, is a one and a half point favorite. Latest number at BetUS, the total sits at 59 and a half. It's 3.30 p.m. Eastern time on CBS Sports Network. Guys, uh, this Ohio offense has been absolutely fantastic with the quarterback, Curtis Rourke. Kyle, uh, looking at these two teams, uh, Kalamazoo, Michigan, is typically a house of horrors for teams, but but Western Michigan has not been very good this year. What, what do you see in this matchup? Yeah, for me, uh, I love the sicko special thrown in here. We have some big games, and, uh, you know, this isn't quite sicko special. We don't, we're not, you know, UConn FIU or something like that. But It's, it's uh, pretty sicko. <laughs> it's, it's at least somewhat sicko, so I get pretty hyped up for a game like this. I still think, guys, that, uh, you know, the people in the chat, I still think you can find the best value on games like this. You know, so those games that are TV games that everybody wants to bet are usually a bit tougher. Uh, so long term, I think these these are good to look at. Ohio has no defense, so I don't want to say anything positive about their defense. But neither does Western Michigan, right? Western Michigan's really bad on defense this, this year as well. The difference in this game to me is the quarterbacks. Rourke is very good. Western Michigan still hasn't even found a quarterback that they even really want to play. I mean, they, they, I've watched them a couple times, and it's pretty ugly. I mean, they really want to run the football, even if they're behind not trusting that passing game at all. And I don't really blame them uh, based on what I've seen. Western Michigan has really struggled a lot this year. Uh, similar schedules faced. Ohio is negative 0.71 yards per play margin. Western Michigan, a really ugly negative 1.36, 1.36 yards per play. And, and Western Michigan, uh, they did damage with a great running game for a long time. We remember all these years where they could run the football very well, had a very good offensive line. They now have a bottom 25 offensive line in the country. Uh, that paired with a weak quarterback is really tough. It's tough to win. When you don't have a good quarterback, you don't have a good offensive line. Um, I can't give you anything good about the Ohio defense, like I said, but I think Ohio has a solid shot to outscore Western Michigan in this game thanks to a big quarterback edge. And one little bonus is that Western Michigan averages 80 penalty yards per game, which is really, really high. Uh, that really hurts in a close contest. I think Ohio is worth a look here. Um, it's not necessarily why I wore the Ohio hat. I, I saw the hat play went one and one last week. Uh, the one was a tough loss with Kansas State. Parker knows that. That should have been a win. Uh, but 
the hat was on the right side there, and so was Parker. Uh, you know, Ohio to me is just the the team that has the much higher upside here. So I, I would definitely put some pizza money here on Ohio. And uh, this total at 59 and a half, it might be a little too low. I think of all the Ohio games, I would want to lean to the over at this point. Oh, most certainly. That's that's one thing that I told you last week with the Akron game against Ohio. Uh, I should have bet the over. I shouldn't have bet Akron. I, I've got guys in the chat telling me, man, uh, the Akron thing killed me last week. I got to, you know, T-Wall said those zips let me down on homecoming last week. I got to go with Ohio after watching that game. Uh, yeah, I don't disagree. Parker, let's uh, let's move it over to you. I mean, looking at the trends, Ohio 8-3 and three against the spread against MAC teams in their last 11. Western Michigan 3-9-1 and one against MAC teams in the last 13. Uh, just two teams that certainly seem to be trending opposite directions here. Uh, this line actually opened Western Michigan as a 2.5-point favorite. It's crossed all the way through zero over to 1.5 in favor of Ohio. What are you seeing here? Man, Western Michigan might be bad, bad. Um, they you know, have have only beaten one uh, one FBS team, and that was Ball State. And basically just Ball State fumbled on the first drive and Western Michigan scored, and then it was an even game against two bad teams. So, um, yeah, not much to write home here. Uh, Western Michigan, Ohio, I, I, I've got to look into this. I, I actually have Western Michigan favored, but I don't trust that um farther than I can throw it. 125th in EPA per pass on defense does not match up well against the Ohio offense. That's averaging 44th in EPA per pass and a 46.5% success rate in the passing game. Also, uh, Ohio, uh, 18th in rush rate over expected, negative 8.4, so 8.4% points fewer than the average team there. They're really aggressive. Um, Western Michigan, after having Caleb Ellaby in that great offensive line last year, does not sling the ball anymore. They're 86th in rush rate over expected. So, um, Good passing efficiency, high uh, high passing volume against a bad pass defense. I think Ohio is is probably the play here. Um, the rush rate uh, over expected for Western Michigan. Yeah, they're they're just going to hit their head against the wall and hope that you match them. Um, Ohio should win this, despite what my numbers say. Western Michigan's on a on a pretty big downward slide here. I'm going to go ahead and tell you that I am taking Ohio in this game. I liked them uh, when I bet it at one and a half. And I like it still when they are one-and-a-half-point favorites. Uh, I'm going to break it down as simply as possible. Ohio has the best unit on the field, and that's going to be their offense. You toss in a massive turnover margin advantage. Ohio is number 39. Western Michigan is number 95. And penalties per game. Ohio number 25. Western Michigan number 114. I don't see Western Michigan slowing down this Ohio offense. Uh, On the other side, I think that Western Michigan is just as likely to shoot themselves in the foot on offense as Ohio is to get a stop against them. So I do like Ohio quite a bit here. Uh, this, it, it looks like a mismatch, um, but, and, and I'm certainly going to ride with it. So give me the Bobcats to cover in this spot. We have got one more game that we are going to discuss before we get into the Q and a, uh, if you guys would go ahead and hit that like video or like button for us. I keep calling it the like video. I don't know what that's about. Uh, hit the like button for us. If you would so kindly ACC matchup here, NC State heads to Syracuse, and the Orange are a three-and-a-half-point favorite. That is even money if you want to take the favorite here. Even money, plus 100. The total sits at 44-and-a-half, latest numbers at BetUS. It's at the JMA Wireless Dome. It'll always be the Carrier Dome to me in Syracuse, New York. It's on the ACC Network at 3.30 p.m. Eastern. NC State won last year's matchup 41-17. to NC State is 7-1 and straight up in the last eight against Syracuse, but they are 4-4 and against the number. 
And guys, uh, NC State has not been good on the road. They are one and four against the spread in their last five road games. Syracuse is eight and two against the number in their last ten at home. Uh, Devin Leary, the quarterback for NC State, of course, left the Florida State game. Doran said that he's questionable and then expounded on that by saying eh, it could be one week or he could be out for six weeks. Uh, so who knows what to expect? I would not imagine that he is going to play this weekend, but I have seen crazier things happen. So, uh, Parker, we're going to start with you on this. Uh, even with Devin Leary, the offense is still number 75 PPA per drive. Uh, the NC State offense has not been very good. They're number 92 PPA per rush. They got no real skill weapons that have proven themselves to be explosive in any way, shape, or form. Uh, this Syracuse offense, however, not too shabby. Uh, d- tell me what your numbers got here. Well, one, I'm really mad at NC State because they had first and first and ten at the FSU 15 and couldn't score a dang touchdown to cover last week. They're on my bad list right now. So uh, I think that Syracuse is is um, the I don't know team of 2022. Um, do, are they good? I don't know. Uh, they're good at some things. They weren't good at some things last year. They've definitely had um, some some more offensive ingenuity, I think, with Robert and I coming over um, uh, on offense. 10th in EPA per pass, 25th in EPA per rush. Um, they are rushing the ball a whole dang lot. 87th in rush rate over expected, 2.8 percentage points more than the average team. Um, but uh, on defense, I think especially their rush defense is pretty, uh, pr- pretty, pretty worrisome. If you look at their schedule and kind of how they have done and who they've done it against, um, they have not really played a, a team that's going to pound and ground and just absolutely be able to kind of move them. Their defense is is good, but they they do have some questions. I also think that um, Garrett Schrader's reputation for for late game antics might be a little bit um, overstated. Uh, that being said, we're going to find out NC State uh, this week and Clemson next week, then Notre Dame, then at Pitt, then Florida State, then Wake Forest. That's a heck of a stretch here, and it was fun for for Syracuse. And um, whether you think the ball is going to drop there or not, it's definitely a um, uh, we're going to find out. Uh, NC State's pass offense has actually been underwhelming, which for for all the hype that Devin Leary got, I, I think that's pretty pretty disappointing. 82nd in EPA per pass, 64th in, in passing success rate. Um, and uh, one thing that might tip the scales in favor of NC State here, I have them as a straight-up favorite. Uh, 19th in uh, field position, starting field position. They start position field, uh, starting field position is 19th in the nation. They start at their own 33-yard line compared to Syracuse's defense is 63rd in starting field position allowed. So NC State might get uh, some defense special teams help to set up their offense to maybe minimize the the distance they have to go against the Syracuse team. Um, if, if Leary can kind of put together just a little bit here, I think NC State can rely on the run game more than they have in the past um, and, and should be able to frustrate this offense, this Syracuse offense on the defensive side of things. I, I would have a slight lean towards NC State in this spot. I, I could understand that. Uh, Kyle, you know, we're moving over to you here. To be fair, jumped in, said, good reminder, uh, Anai is a pretty decent OC. Uh, yeah, I would say so. I mean, the Syracuse offense is number 10 in PPA per drive. Um, he and Jason Beck, of course, have done a magnificent job with that Syracuse offense. I, I'm curious what you think here. Uh, they're great at success rate, not great in explosive plays. I don't know how much success you're going to have against that NC State defense, especially the middle of it with Wilson and Moore, the linebackers. Uh, what, what are you thinking on this one, Kyle? I mean, for me, NC State looked completely different after Leary went out last game. I think that uh, it appeared they didn't trust Chambers to throw a pass. You know, at the end of the game, I was actually watching that game and rooting for Parker's uh, cover there in that one. And and honestly, when they got the ball, at, I think it was at the 15, like Parker said, 
they ended up kicking a 53-yard field goal. I mean, so they went backwards <laughs> like 20 yards. And then they get the ball back. Florida State turns it over to them. They have it first and 10 at the 40, and they don't attempt to pass. They don't even try the long field goal that their kicker had just made a field goal from that same distance to keep it at a two-point spread. It seemed like they were just completely comfortable at keeping the spread at two instead of trying to put the game away. Uh, you know, just crazy to me. I, I don't think uh, Devin Leary has looked very good, but I, I think that um, the way they called the game made it look like they only trust Devin Leary throwing passes. Uh, Jack Chambers came in with five minutes left in the third quarter, and he threw one pass the rest of the game. Remember, this game was in the balance. You know, it's not like they were sitting on a huge lead. I, I think it, they just 100% decided to use the running game, and Chambers ran sometimes as well. Uh, you know, no airing it out. I think Leary will probably not play in this game. I don't think the under is a bad play, even if Leary does play. But without Leary playing, I like the under here. So I'm going to take the under. I'll tell you, I think that uh, Syracuse is a team that has plenty of flaws for an unbeaten team. Uh, you know, they've played one good defense this year, and that was Purdue. NC State's a better defense than Purdue, certainly. And Purdue was really shutting them down for a long time. You remember that game went nuts in the fourth quarter. Uh, you know, if you had the under in that game, one of the worst beats of the year for sure. Uh, NC State's defense, full of NFL-level talent, especially at linebacker. Uh, Garrett Schrader, wildly inconsistent, to say the least, uh, at quarterback. The Syracuse defense is so well-coached by Tony White. He does a really good job with this team. Constantly impressed by his ability to put his guys in the right spot to have success 16th in defensive success rate allowed, 21st at preventing big plays. NC State's not really a big play offense, even with Leary. Uh, without him, I don't think they're a big play offense at all. NC State is 80th in tempo. Syracuse has surprised me by, again, playing slow this year, 112th in tempo. So two run-heavy offenses, two good defenses. I'm going to take the under in this one. I like it. Let's make it official. The under 44.5 for Kyle in this one. Uh, yeah, this is going to be very interesting. If Syracuse is able to get this win, they go to Clemson next week for maybe a battle of undefeated teams if Clemson could get by Florida State. Of course, we're going to talk about that one tomorrow. We've had a lot of people jump in the Q&A for that, uh, but we will discuss Clemson and Florida State on tomorrow's show. Gentlemen, it is time for the favorite segments of the week, and that is, of course, the Q&A. We've got quite a few questions. We're going to try and rapid fire through these. Uh, everybody that's watching, if you would so kindly, if you have not already, go ahead and hit that like button for us. You all know that we're trying to hit different numbers here, uh, and that is one of the big things as far as YouTube algorithms or the algorithmic algorithm, whatever it is. Whatever all that background computer stuff is, uh, the likes certainly help. So hit that like button. Make sure that you are subscribed. Throw a dog a bone. TV jumps in and says, fellas, what college job will Matt Rule land? Nebraska, Arizona State, or one big job that may open at the end of the season? Well, I'm going to let both of the guys open uh, with this one. And Kyle, let's start off with you. How are you feeling about Matt Rule? Uh, coming back to college football? I mean, I think Matt Rule would have success in college football again. Uh, I'm not very good at predicting who's going to get what job. So I think both Gary and Parker would probably be better <laughs> at this than me. I think Matt Rule would be a big upgrade for a decent amount of the teams that have an opening here. Um, you know, he seems like kind of a, a guy that would have success in the Midwest to me. So uh, that's the way I would lean somewhere in the Midwest. But I'm not going to give a specific because I, I truly don't know. I haven't really followed the rumors on that. I do think that he would fit well at Nebraska. Um, however, 
the losing that he did at Carolina takes a toll. I don't know that he takes a job this cycle. That's going to be my prediction for it. I think he will wait for one of the bigger jobs to open next year or the year after that. I think he does TV next year. Parker, uh, you got a feel on, on Matt Rule here. Yeah, he's definitely got to be uh, got to be tired. Um, I think that I would just like to say that um, I, I saw a good article today. I, I honestly, I may have retweeted it. I can't remember who wrote it. And I wish I could give them credit. Just talking about like Arizona State is actually sneakily set up for being pretty good. Bijan Robinson from Arizona, um, Keely Ringo, I think from Georgia, uh, from from Arizona as well. They have players. It's not like a Colorado situation where there's just no high school football infrastructure. There are dudes who are out there who are good. Someone could come in and, and do pretty well there. Um, I have no idea what he'll take. I, I tend to I tend to believe that he has been a little bit beaten down and will take a beat. Um, he certainly could plug in somewhere and and right the ship. I I wouldn't begrudge him for taking a year off though. But Arizona State maybe a little less crazy off the field in terms of boosters and expectations uh, relative to what resources they potentially have there. So that that's an interesting fit for me. Um, you're going to hear a lot about Auburn, man. You're going to hear a lot about Auburn. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a, we'll, we'll see what happens after this weekend. I'd imagine uh, the Arizona state job. So Sean Iguano uh, is the, uh, is it Sean? Did I just make that name up? It's Iguano. I know is the, uh, the interim coach. He just got Thank a letter guys. from the Arizona football coaches association where all of the high school coaches in the state signed it and wanted to push him for the Arizona State job. So something to keep an eye out for out there. Uh, the other part of that is, of course, all the realignment mess with the Pac-12. How much money are they going to be able to to give somebody, whoever that next coach may be? Uh, lots, lots of things to figure out as far as the Pac-12 is concerned. Uh, next question on the board. George jumps in and says, Kansas plus 7.5 looks too easy. I know Daniels is out, but Bean played well last week. Parker, would you like to take this one? Sometimes when something looks too easy, it's because it is. I think that's. I think that that um, there are some behavioral biases baked into the lines that Vegas is putting out there. Um, I think Oklahoma could get Gabriel back, and and the difference there is that they'll be able to score. Like they moved the ball decently against Texas, right? Like not not good. But running like Braden Willis is tight end at the Wildcat was a revelation. That was so fun. And they have a really good run game. And if they can get Gabriel back in any capacity, this Kansas defense is not that good. And I think Oklahoma's line, offensive line, should be good enough to give Gabriel time to make those quick throws, move the ball, big, big, um, you know, big, big plays uh, through the air there. So, um, I, just because of the uncertainty with the quarterbacks, I, I would tend to lean towards if Gabriel's playing, take Oklahoma here. Um, yes. So, so Bean played well in the second half. Kansas really changed its plays. They they got some good. I, I'm going to say luck here, but I don't mean that it wasn't deserved in terms of big plays that were like super close catches to the ground, um, and, and scored a couple touchdowns there. So, I think that they it might not be sustainable week to week, and I don't think their defense is good enough to really stop the Dylan Gabriel offense per se. So, I, I they could absolutely win this game, but. Um, uh, it's saying something is too easy. There's a lot of there's a lot of context there. If if Gabriel if Gabriel plays and Oklahoma drops fifty, can Kansas score fifty? Oklahoma's defense is bad, but I don't know if they can do it with Jason Bean. That's I I tend to agree with you. A lot of those plays that Bean made last week, I don't know how replicable or sustainable that stuff really is. Uh, they were because cool, they were just, though. I don't no, know if they they're replicable, awesome. but they were super cool. Yes, yes, they were. Uh, but yeah, I, that's that's just something to pay attention to. If something looks too easy, it typically pretty is. Kyle, we'll move over to you. Uh, Arbone wants us to discuss the Marshall game. Marshall is a 10.5-point favorite over Louisiana on Wednesday evening. 
you got a thought here? Uh, I look at this, and I mean, my number is actually Marshall closer to like five, uh, but I don't necessarily trust that because Louisiana's kind of been turning down. Uh, got any got any thoughts here? Yeah, I was going to say that my my power ratings number is lower than this, but I would take Marshall if I had to take a side here. Uh, you know, I think uh, numbers are just a kind of a first starting point. I don't just blindly bet something like that. And Louisiana is tough to downgrade fast enough this year. This team's been really bad compared to expectations. Eileen Marshall, Eileen the under, thinking Louisiana won't score very many points here. Yeah, that's. I, I tend to agree with you. I tend to agree. That, that Louisiana offense has not been great. Uh, Pedro wants to know New Mexico at New Mexico State. Oh, we're getting real sicko here. Uh, <laughs> Parker. You uh, you got a thought on uh, New Mexico and New Mexico State? Like I, I know personally, I didn't even look at this game because uh, New Mexico just fired their offensive coordinator. I need to see what they're going to try and do on offense before I even try and and figure them out. Yeah, Gary, you know how I always text you about how angry I am when I take a G5 favorite in a stupid spot and then it comes to bite me in the behind? This is one of those. I thought about New Mexico for a second just based on the numbers and was like, no, we don't need to do that today. So their defense is legitimately like, okay. Um, 19th in EPA per play allowed, which is opponent adjusted, not, you know, not 19th overall. Um, but a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of that's been bolstered by their 27th in starting field position and their 22nd and third and fourth down success. So that right there is a recipe to let the game get out of hand against New Mexico State, who's a little bit sloppy on both of those. But I don't trust it. Yep, don't trust it at all. I, I'm with you. I'm with you. We just have no idea what these teams are at all at this point. So uh, that is the way that it goes. Uh, let's see. Baylor at West Virginia. Uh, Kyle, this is from Steve Williams. So Baylor, as it sits, this one is on Thursday evening. Uh, Baylor's a three and a half point favorite on the road. It's a uh, minus one Oh five for the odds. Total is 54 and a half. Uh, two teams that had some hype coming into the year. Um, maybe not so much right now. Uh, I, I look at this. I mean, this this feels like a coin flip kind of game. It just depends on uh, just a few plays here and there, really. Uh, you you got a feel on it, Kyle? I, I don't have a strong opinion on the side here. I think I would take the over if I was betting this game, thinking that West Virginia can have some success. Baylor um, has a good offensive coordinator that can put them in good spots, at least for, for a good while. I think 54.5 might be a bit too low. Um, West Virginia is a tough team to get a read on, to be honest, you know. Um, probably the worst team in the conference, uh, unless Oklahoma doesn't have Dylan Gabriel, and then they're probably right down there with them. Uh, you know, this is a uh, a West Virginia team that, in theory, should be in a good spot here at home, a good home field advantage, plus three and a half. I want to lean that way, but I, I, I don't feel too comfortable, so I think I'd take the over. Yeah, look at this. Uh, Baylor, it, you know, it just – Totally average team, like number 40 offense per drive uh, as far as PPA margin. Uh, defense PPA per drive is number 49. Uh, as far as West Virginia, I mean, they got a good offense, number 21 PPA per drive, but number 100 on defense. So these are two teams that, like, it really will come down to just who can make a play in the right spot, like at the right time. Parker, uh, let me go on and get your opinion on this one. I, I just I, – I felt like this one – wasn't enough of an edge to even really discuss. Do you see anything in this matchup? Um, I think, sorry, I'm, I'm all over the place with West Virginia and Baylor. Um, the passing defense, I think, is really what it comes down to. Um, and if you look at, like, Baylor's passing defense hasn't been very good, 83rd in EPA per play. 
um, allowed. West Virginia's passing offense is 43rd. So you start to think about that's the weak point at Baylor's defense. West Virginia's offensive line is probably their strength on offense. That's going to give Bryce Ford Wheaton a lot of time to get open, which I think they'll be able to keep up score. Morgantown's a really weird place. Um, these teams are actually a lot more similar than you think, just because they are actually offense heavy and um, a little bit, you know, balanced on offense, a lot more situational. I wonder if we're starting to invoke the quit factor on West Virginia, though. I'm a little bit worried about that. Uh, just they lost a, lost a pretty big game to Texas, and um, things things might not be going exactly like they want. But uh, again, you can you can turn that around in, in uh, immediately. So um, I don't know that they have faced a rush defense as good as as good as Baylor's run defense, but Baylor really does have some issues on the back end there. So I, I mean, JT Daniels is experienced. I think they could exploit this and and definitely score some points. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm with you. I'm with you. Uh, we'll move right along. Coactus. I hope I say that right. Can South Florida cover against Tulane? Uh, as it sits, Tulane a 12.5 point favorite on the road at South Florida. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, absolutely. Uh, Tulane's a really good team, but I mean, as far as the offense goes, I mean, it's not like they're super, super threatening. Uh, it's just that the defense, I, I don't know what Jerry Bohannon will be able to do against that defense. Uh, Kyle, you got a feel on Tulane and South Florida? Florida has been kind of sneaky good in a couple games this year. I mean, they gave Cincinnati some serious trouble last week. And we remember the game where they gave Florida a bunch of trouble. I wouldn't want to lay that many points with Tulane in this game. I think uh, South Florida has potential there, but you know, I, do I trust South Florida to show up every single week and cover a spread? Not, not really. I think they're an inconsistent team. Um, I, I lean South Florida, not strongly. I'm i uh, I'm with you. Like, I, this is not one that I really wanted to touch, but, uh, I mean, my number's right there. It's around 13. So, Raphael, uh, any feels on the North Carolina-Duke game? I thought about this one. Uh, North Carolina, I believe, is like a six-point favorite as it sits right now. Uh, let's see. And I can't seven. find it. Seven? Oh, it's all the way at seven now. Uh, so, it opened at six, and it's out to seven currently. Uh, total is 67. Uh, Riley Leonard has been pretty good, but... I, while Duke, I believe in their scheme on defense, I don't know if they've got the dudes to slow down this North Carolina offense. You know, Miami had help because it was windy last week, et cetera. There were, there were just things that made that game go under that we did not fully anticipate. Uh, as far as this situation, I don't know if Duke has got the players to really keep up with North Carolina yet. So it, it kind of scared me off of it. Uh, Parker, you, what do you think about Duke and, and North Carolina? Is there a way that Duke can stay in this one? North Carolina's EPA per pass is fourth in the nation at 0 0.445. Um, Duke's defense is 107th, 0 0.211. So I, I would agree with the North Carolina pick here. I think that um, both teams are offense heavy and defense lacking, but you, North Carolina's offense is legitimately good. And I don't know that anything about Duke is legitimately good. So <laughs> I, I actually like I like UNC here to the point at, at six and a half. I think I would have pizza money seven. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. We'll see what happens in the first drive. I like it. I like it. Uh, Scott Young jumps in Toledo, Kent State. Any thoughts, uh, Kyle? You want to tackle? Kyle? This one? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, uh, Toledo was blown out by Ohio state and then they probably got undervalued in the marketplace. You know, this is a yeah. Toledo team that still is very good by Mac standards. Um, it just ran Northern Illinois off the field uh, and then, you know, kind of let them score some at the end of the game last week, but Kent state's a good offense. 
Uh, you know, can Kent State throw it enough uh, against Toledo? I see that game's a bit windy too. In the the Midwest, there's some wind coming up this weekend, at least on the early forecast. Um, I trust Toledo more than I trust Kent State, but nine points, uh, it's kind of tricky. Uh, I guess I'll give a slight lean to the under, and gosh, I hate saying take the under in a, in a MAC game. <laughs> it does make sense. Uh, Grayson Lakers, uh, Q&A, Georgia Southern cover against Red Hot JMU. Hey, no, we're going to cover that one tomorrow. Uh, yeah, we're going to cover that tomorrow. Mark Holmes, will Cal blow out Colorado? Hey, Parker, <laughs> our resident Colorado expert here. How you feel about Cal and Colorado? That was a really fun stat. I think it was this last week where it was like all four teams that fired their coach that played won a game because if Colorado had played, they, yep. they would have been one and four, <laughs> which is not as fun as uh, as as four and zero. Um, yeah, in terms of blowout, so the line here is what like 15, 14 and a half maybe. Um, uh, fifteen. Yeah. Fifteen. Yes. Yeah. So I have this at like seventeen. Cal's offense is rushing the ball well, 15th in EPA per rush compared to Colorado is 130th in EPA rush. Uh, apocalyptic. Um, I, I used to favor Boulder as like a place to go play, um, at like an advantage, but because it's not really like a pass issue and because there's not like a huge field position problem here, I, I think that Cal should run the ball and do whatever they want. Then it just comes down to an argument about pacing. Cal's actually throwing it, even though they're way more efficient on the run game. Uh you know, 30, 35th in rush rate over expected minus 5.1%. Um, so I, in terms of pace, in terms of snappy, I think Cal could get out a pretty big league against Colorado, um, especially if they kind of gut check them. I, I like betting on Justin Wilcox generally, and um, I think they're pretty feisty. So uh, the, the weakness for Cal is their past events, 96th in EPA per pass, but Colorado doesn't have a quarterback, not even a position on the, uh, on the roster for them. 120th in EPA per pass. Um, they, they really don't have a passing offense at all. So um, I could be talked into Cal. I don't think that's crazy. It's not one of my best value plays, but I, I think it's probably the smart side to take Cal here. You also got to see exactly what Colorado is going to look like with, you know, a, a different defensive coordinator, a different defensive play caller, uh, a new head coach that's going to be in there, whoever the interim may be. I don't even know who it is at this point, but uh, just something to pay attention to with that. You know that Justin Wilcox doesn't exactly like running it up. Uh, so I would, I mean, yeah, if, if you had to take a side, I'd certainly roll Cal. Um but, man, that's not one that I would be super interested in. Uh, here's a Q&A for Kyle. Will Arkansas take care of business against BYU with K.J. Jefferson back? Uh, so, this, yes, they announced uh, K.J. Jefferson has been cleared. That's good. Jaron Hall is banged up a little bit, but it looks like he's going to play. And this is a big mover, Kyle. I don't know if you've paid attention to this. BYU opened as a three-point favorite. They are now a one-point dog. Uh, what, what do you see in this one? Yeah, guys, I, I'm having remorse that I didn't take the over when I heard KJ Jefferson was in. As this was 59 and a half, and now it's 66. So massive line move. I do think both teams score a good amount in here. I can't, in good conscience, uh, take over 66 when 59 and a half was there. And even after the news, it was 62 for a little while. Um, you know, I, I don't like to make a habit of betting against BYU at home. I think it's one of the best home field advantages in college football. I'm not excited to bet BYU here either, though. So I don't have anything strong. Still lean to the over, but like I said, I just missed the number here. Uh, there's a question for me. I'm a little surprised. Uh, Heath Harrelson, uh, Gary, what are the chances Coastal Carolina covers against Old Dominion? Uh, it's 12 and a half, and I think there's obviously a chance Old Dominion has come down just a little bit, uh, but Coastal is a weird cat 
man, that's I don't know that I necessarily trust them. I think Old Dominion can do some things to stay in that game, so I'm going to stay away from it. Uh, if I had to lean away, Coastal at home in Conway, yeah, I mean, there's worse bets that you could make, but, uh, you know, I, I, I like 12 and a half. That's fine if you want to roll with that. I, I don't think I would disagree. I just not not enough value for me to play it. Uh, William Herman, Miami of Ohio against Bowling Green. Ah, okay, okay, we got uh, we got two more questions here. Uh, Parker, would you like Miami of Ohio or Wisconsin, Michigan State? Wisconsin, Michigan State. <laughs> Kyle, are you okay Please. with that? <laughs> cool. Yeah. All right, Kyle, you go ahead with uh, with William Herman's question. Miami of Ohio against Bowling Green. Yeah, Miami's offense looks a lot different now with Avion Smith at quarterback. Uh, Gabbert's been injured, and and you know he was definitely a, a big part of their offense. Now Miami is running the ball almost every play, playing as slow as they possibly can. Their tempo stats are really drastic here lately. Um, I kind of like the under here. I think uh, Bowling Green's defense was supposed to be good. They've not been near as good as they they should have been. But Miami stops the run really well. I don't trust McDonald to throw. Uh, very successfully, even though Miami has a weak uh, defense in the secondary. So I would probably lean Miami if I had to take a side, but uh, I think I like the under. Yeah, those numbers, by the way, Miami of Ohio, a seven-point favorite, uh, minus 105, the odds on that side, and uh, the total at 46. So, yeah, low number, um, but I could totally see that. That that seems like a knockdown, drag-out fight to me. Uh, moving along, last question here. Matthew Farmer asked about Wisconsin and Michigan State. Parker, uh, tell me tell me what you got on that one. You want to talk about a sickos game. Uh, Wisconsin, <laughs> this is just very funny to me. Wisconsin, Graham Mertz uh, averaging 11.1 average depth of target. Peyton Thorne for Michigan State is 8.3. So very different team there. They're both completing 74.1% of their passes, though. So kind of some symmetry amongst the oddity there. I have Wisconsin on a play-to-play basis much better than Michigan State, 41st in EPA per play compared to 112th. If your opponent adjusts that, that's going to come out to like 50th and 70th, I think, just doing that on the back, back of the napkin here. One thing that Wisconsin has thrived on is explosive scoring plays. Four points per quality possession, 5.7 or excuse me, fourth in points per quality possession, 5.78 points per that. Uh, and um, the Michigan State is 86th in points per quality possession. If you want to bet Wisconsin, you can believe that, you know, Michigan State's passing defense is, is as bad as they need to be for Wisconsin to to kind of overcome this. Um, I think we'll see this be a little hardier, uh, a little more ground game from both teams. Um, Wisconsin is uh, rushing 7% more than the average team. That's 112th in the nation. Um, and Michigan State is throwing it uh, 16th most out of anyone, but that's because their EPA per rush is 123rd and their rushing success rate is 65th. So they just had some disasters in the run game and and scoring quarterback scrambling. I would I would be inclined to go super low total and go with the dog Michigan State here. But if you need if you need to use Michigan State's defensive secondary to talk yourself into Wisconsin putting up points, I'm here for it. I believe it. Yeah, you can, you can tell me anything about that unit. I love it. I love it. Uh, just saw in the chat, uh, hey, you go over to BetUS, Louisiana against Marshall, first half, total under 24. The prop has been boosted from minus 110 to plus 115. So just throwing it out there. If you want to go check that out, go over to BetUS. Gentlemen, uh, let's go ahead and do our picks recap. And we have got some good ones today. Parker, you want to start us off? 
Of course, um, I am uh, rowing the boat with Minnesota minus six and a half. I love that Mo Ibrahim is back. And I'm going to take Iowa State as a big road dog versus Texas, 16 and a half points for the Cyclones there. Not too shabby. I am going to ride with the midshipman Navy to cover 13 at SMU. I like Michigan minus six and a half at home against Penn State. Give me Ole Miss to blow out Auburn to cover the 16 there. And I like Ohio. The Bobcats minus one and a half against Western Michigan. Kyle, you're you're rounding it out. What you got this week? I'm also going to take Iowa State plus 16 and a half uh, against Texas. And I will take North Carolina State and Syracuse under 44 and a half. Not too shabby all right let me remind everybody go ahead and like the video for us on your way out we hit uh, some pretty big numbers today and you guys are phenomenal for it we certainly thank you for diving in the chat was lively as always we appreciate all you guys the community here is just a lot of fun and we're really really thankful that you choose to spend just a portion of your time each week with us so subscribe if you've not subscribed make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast of course that certainly helps us out like, review, subscribe, hit the notification bell, all those wonderful things. If you do have any more questions, of course, for Q&A, for anything else, you can reach out to us not only in the comment section once the video is done, but you can also hit us up on Twitter. Uh, our Twitter handles are, of course, steadily scrolling across the screen, but also in the Twitter uh, or in the uh, description below as well on YouTube and the podcast. So, uh, gentlemen. I think that's going to close things out for today. Don't forget, we do have a show tomorrow, 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Going to be a lot of fun. A lot more big games to talk about, and uh, and we're probably going to throw in some more sicko stuff as well. So make sure and join us. But for that, we are getting out of here. For BetUS, where the game begins, God bless college football, and we'll see you all again tomorrow.